With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Volume 6 of Feeding the Monkey. Today we are going to explore Superman and the High Five. But first, last week uh, we looked at the color blue and also the migration of marsupials. In addition, I mentioned Featherdale Wildlife Park in Sydney, but I neglected to put the link for that in my notes, in the show notes. So it's in there now. It's the very first link in the show notes. Um, The show notes, of course, you can find at feedingthemonkey.com. Just click on the link marked show notes, show notes, and uh, you'll see it right there. So looking at the color blue, listener Chris has heard that purple is the most difficult dye color to create and not blue. Um, We had discussed how there's very little in nature that is naturally blue, and so a lot of languages don't develop a word or a term for blue, including English, until about the 1300s. Blue is the last language, uh, the last color word to appear in a language. Um, So... Uh, since there's not a whole lot of natural blue in the world, it's a difficult dye color to create. Purple is a combination of blue and red. So purple won't happen. Purple won't be recognized as a color until blue has been recognized. Purple has been around for a long time. It was uh, initially created using a sea snail in the along the Mediterranean. Lots of... Lots of cultures used it. Lots of uh, Mediterranean cultures uh, created it, um, but it was most famous from Phoenicia, where it was called Tyrian red or Tyrian purple. The ones from Phoenicia, the uh, purple dyed fabric from Phoenicia was very expensive. They also created an indigo dye from the same sea snail. They called it royal blue. The Romans referred to both shades of these purples as blackish clotted blood. The reason that the Phoenician variety of blue dye and purple dye was so highly prized was because of its longevity, whereas other purple dyes tended to become paler in the sun, sunshine and fade out over time. Uh, Phoenician purple dyes and blue dyes became uh, much Uh, brighter and stronger of a shade of purple. So they were prized for that. So Chris, 
blue was the last color to create to be uh, to be shown up in any color language. The word blue was the last word to show up in any in any language for color, but purple was in fact uh, the most expensive dye when it came from Phoenicia. As an aside, Phoenicia is located in the Middle East, which is uh, and it's now called Lebanon. So today, listener Gavin was thinking about what his superpower would be if he could pick one. You know how you get people ask you that. If you could have any super superpower in the world, what would you pick? And a lot of people say flying. Uh, number one was teleportation. Uh, number 12 on the list is indefatigability, or a body that never tires. And uh, uh, Gavin opted for this, but he wondered what if there would be any ramifications for that. First, uh, to decide if there's going to be any ramifications or not for that, we would have to decide whether or not the brain was going to be considered part of the physical body. If it was going to be as indefatigable as, you know, your arms and your legs, then of course there would be no ramifications at all because you simply wouldn't need rest. So that would be the easiest that would be the easiest ex uh, explanation would be, well, if the brain is part of the body and the body is indefatigable, then the brain is indefatigable and there's no issue whatsoever. But that's not any fun and that's certainly not what feeding the monkey does. So we would have to look at it from a different point of view. The brain can be considered part of any number of systems. Uh, for instance, it's part of the limbic system where it has some effect on healing and health of the body. It's of course an organ as opposed to a muscle. It's comprised of uh, several different forms of, of tissue, none of which are muscle. Uh, it's got a lot of electric current running through it. it. It is a nerve center, literally a nerve center. It decides what it was that each nerve has experienced and sends back the message of how to re appropriately respond if, say, for instance, you step on a nail or you touch a hot stove, um, or if you're the monkey, if, if you have just stuck your face out of a window going at 80 miles an hour and you're being sandblasted, uh, the brain is what tells you to, to, to jump up, say, ow, take your hand off the stove, pull your face back in, um, etc. Interestingly, your eyeballs are part of your brain, and so when you they're, they're directly connected to your brain via the uh, the um, nerves, the optic nerve. So when you look at eyeballs, you're actually looking at somebody's brain. I thought that was kind of cool. So now I run around looking at people's brains, and they think I'm looking at their eyes, and and I'm thinking secretly to myself, I can see your brain. I can see your brain from here. Anyway, um, so if we assume that the brain is different from the rest of the physical body, then we're going to obviously get a different answer. So sleep deprivation would be what we would be talking about here. Your body never rests. Your body never sleeps. It was first studied in 1896. Uh, since then, there have been hundreds of studies. They have all established pretty much the same thing. A lack of sleep impairs cognitive functions and behavior including arousal, that is just being awake, attention, cognitive speed, memory, 
emotional intelligence, that's um, how well you interpret other people's uh, nonverbal body language, basically, and decision making. There is a there is a disease called familial. Let me get this right. Fatal familial insomnia. This is a genetic disorder. One of your genes doesn't work right and you just stay awake. As the name suggests, this is not a healthy thing to happen. The first symptoms of fatal familial insomnia usually begin in midlife. You're talking your 40s or 50s. Uh, May include insomnia that worsens over time and vivid dreams when you do finally go to sleep. Uh, Symptoms may be followed by high blood pressure, episodes of hyperventilation. That happens to me if I see Brad Pitt. I get an episode of hyperventilation. Um, Excessive tearing and or sexual and urinary tract dysfunction. As the disease progresses, most affected people develop ataxia. Ataxia sounds like fun, by the way. Ataxia is uncoordinated movement. It's due to a muscle control problem that causes an inability to coordinate movements. It leads to a jerky, unsteady to and fro motion of the middle of the body, the trunk, and an unsteady gait, the walking style. It can also affect the limbs. So as the disease progresses, most affected people start to have tremors and shakes and walk funny Uh, Fatal familial insomnia, as the name suggests, leads to death within a few months to a few years. Given these options, um, I'm going to vote that the brain is part of the physical indefatigability, and so there are no ramifications. Jive talking. Oh, speaking of jive and jive talking, a listener DJ wants to know the origin of the high five, and so do I. There are a couple of versions of where the high five came from. There are actually people who study such things as where did the high five come from, and then they have uh, arguments over whether which which version is correct. I'll give you both. The first is that it was in 1977. We are watching the Dodgers, Dusty Baker and Glenn Burke. Dusty Baker hits his 30th home run of the season. And the Dodgers are going to win this game and they're going to get the National League pennant. So they're all pretty happy. Uh, Glenn Burke is only in his second season at the Dodgers. He is on deck. That means that Dusty Baker has just hit a home run and Glenn Burke is standing there at home plate getting ready to be the next batter up. As Baker comes running into home, he lifts his hand and Burke raises, they smack hands and voila, high five. This uh, has been seen on, of course, innumerable video screens um, and there are people who insist that this is the actual origin of the high five. It seems to have been spontaneous. We also have the low five, 
or Gimme 5, or Gimme Some Skin. This has actually been known since the mid-1920s. This was very popular among jazz musicians, uh, Cab Calloway, the Andrews Sisters, Al Jolson. In fact, Cab Calloway published something called the Hepster Dictionary in 1938. That's kind of like hipsters, only at the time they were hepsters. Um, Had to do with his song, Hep, Hep, Hey, Hey. Now you know more than you ever wanted to know about hepsters. Anyway, Cab Calloway. In 1938, he recorded um, that there was the low five and that there were actually several different forms or versions of the low five. Uh, The low five, as a general rule, uh, just the give me five or give me some skin, was the hand held out at waist level. Uh, The receiver's hand held out at waist level and then the giver would slap the hand. Uh, the low five was a lower body area below the waist. For instance, you might come up with the high five around the thigh area, the receiver's hand coming up from the five and meeting from the thigh and meeting the giver's hand at the at the thigh level. There was five on the black hand side. Okay, five, of course, we all know that five refers to the number of fingers. Just want to make that clear. Uh, five on the black hand side is the receiver's hand is out palm down, the giver slaps the top of the hand, which is the darker skin side. So that's the black hand size side. Five on the sly. Five on the sly is holding your hand behind your back and the the giver's hand is behind the back and the receiver then slaps the hand. Uh, There is also, of course, as uh, as the 70s progressed, the fives, the giving of the fives would gain more and more complexity and they would be high fives and side fives and then there was the slip five which is that the receiver's hand comes out as the giver starts to put down his hand the receiver pulls his hand away there's a bunch of laughter etc. Another uh, variation that came from the high five is the fist bump with the fists held together uh, and the knuckles are bumped. Um, There is such a thing, there's something called the exploding fist bump, which is after contact is made, both fists come back with the fingers extended and waving, that is the explosion, that's the exploding fist bump. Um, We've also got, so we got, you would have a whole combination of things, like high five, So you go high five on the slide, down low, and then you've got soul, and then both thumbs would be raised uh, uh, after completing this series. Very often, um, the completion of the series would be finished with either uh, a raised thumb or the four fingers of the giver and the four finger of the receiver's hands locked together with kind of a shaking motion at the end of that. Now you know so much more about the high five than you probably ever realized that you wanted to know. Thank you so much, DJ, because this is something that I never would have thought of on my own. And uh, once I heard it, it was a burning question in my mind until I found the answer. If you have any questions that you want the answer to um, in, in a similar fashion, uh, give me leave me a message at on Facebook at Feeding the Monkey 
where you can find me on the internet at feedingthemonkey.com or you can drop me an email at feed at monkey sorry at monkey m-o-n-k-e-y at feedingthemonkey.com and then hang on and come back the next Tuesday and we'll see if we've got an answer to your question again that is monkey at feedingthemonkey.com website is feedingthemonkey.com and Facebook is feeding the monkey on Facebook that is an excellent place to leave questions uh, spark comments have conversations, um, all different things. So next week, listener Alan wants to know, is there any kind of standardized measurements for mattress sizes? We've got a single and then a double, which makes sense is that's twice a single. And then a queen size, what is that? Is that three times a single? Is, this, is there supposed to be, does that mean a king size sleeps four? Um, what are these sizes? What is a California king? What is a, what is a, a, a big twin? Who knows? So uh, I'm going to look that up. And next Tuesday, we'll find out what is the deal with the mattress sizes. And a question that I am certain will have a very interesting answer. Who invented indoor plumbing? We know that the Romans, as early as the Romans, were using a form of indoor plumbing. But who originally conceived of the idea? What culture originally conceived of this idea? And are there any references to uh, what personage might actually have thought, hey, this is a great idea? So tune in for that next Tuesday. And I appreciate you listening. In the meantime, here is some upbeat outro music. Thank you for listening. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.